0: Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another week on the SME Empower podcast, where we are on a mission to empower entrepreneurs to create a world of impact. And why do we do this? We do this because we believe that your success in business matters not only for you and your family, but for your community and the world at large. So we are committed to providing you with valuable insights and information from successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts from around the world so you can grow your business and your impact. Tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. EAT, subscribe, and join the movement as you take the first step to impact the world through entrepreneurship. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SME Empower podcast. I am your host, Max Kituba, and I'd like to officially welcome Ruby Alcantara, the CEO of Supiva Advisory Firm, a boutique gender lens impact investment advisory firm. She's also a board member of CAFID, the Canadian Forum for Impact Investment and Development. So welcome to the show. We are very happy to have you.
1: Thanks, Max. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so um, this is a particularly um, special episode for me because um, truth be told, I work with Ruby and every time um, people ask me about what I do and I tell them I work at a boutique gender lens impact investment advisory firm. Uh, needless to say, that 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 raises a few eyebrows because people don't know what that means. But finally, we have Ruby here. Um, who can give us a little bit of a of a background into Supiva and the work that you do there?
1: Awesome. No, and I and I'm glad, Max, and thanks for having uh thanks for having Supiva, me and Supiva on board here. So we're happy to support you. Um so a little bit of background. Well, why don't I start with what is impact investment? And then I'll go into Subiva. So impact investment is really that cross where commercial capital meets philanthropy philanthropic capital um so impact investors we like to see profit um we like to see that uh, a business is commercial commercially sustainable however we also want to be able to see the impact we all want to be able to see that um You as a business will create a bigger impact on society as a whole, but also the environment as well as within your company itself. Uh, We use metrics like the UN Sustainable Development Goals, so there are 17 Sustainable Development Goals. For SAPIVA, we focus particularly on SDG 5, which is gender equity. Um, So that's something really important to us. And basically, not only do impact investors want to see commercial returns, but they also want to be able to see impact returns. Advantage of if you're an entrepreneur uh, or an SME and you received impact capital, one of the biggest advantages that impact capital tends to be very patient capital, um, meaning it'll take a bit more, you know, if you've taken on debt, it'll take a bit more uh, time to pay. They may actually ha- have um, cheaper rates. So if you've taken on debt, uh, they may have lower interest rates. At the same time, too, there's an element that we call blended finance, where what might happen is, um, um, while an investor may come in and give you the typical uh, debt and or and or equity, um, there might be a structure that comes into place that's known as a technical assistance facility or else a grant, um, which is essentially free money. Um, although I hate using the word "free" because it comes with a lot of it comes with a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, reporting involved. Uh, Mm -hmm. But basically, these grants can help to pay for things like training, research and development, ...that you as a company want to try. So it's really, um, really great to be able to tap into blended finance structures. Um, So then that leads me to Sapiva and why Sapiva got started. Um, At Sapiva, we help entrepreneurs and SMEs navigate through the plethora of what is going on in the impact investment world. Um, So if you're an SME and you want to be able to raise capital um, or... or you need support in your growth, this is what SAPIVA does. So it was conceived, uh, SAPIVA was conceived because we saw that uh, there were a number of entrepreneurs that simply needed support and guidance. We have a saying, you might be investable, but are you presentable? So at SAPIVA, we have um, about... three key modules in which we'll support entrepreneurs. So one we call our business 360 diagnostics. Well we we will support at SME in terms of checking out to see if they need a help and support with their business operations, support with business development, support with their market or go to market entry strategy. Um, the second is we what we call our investor readiness. So will actually put an SME or a venture through an actual due diligence process. Due diligence means that uh, you'll be presented to an investor. Uh, sorry, it's the it's the aspect before you're presented to an investor, as in an investor we wanting to check you out. Uh, This is what they go through. So they'll look through your financials, they'll look through your legal structures, they'll look at something uh, known as your cap table, which is your capitalization table. So who are the investors that have invested in you? Um, So that's the due diligence process. And we'll then also help you devise what we call your investor outreach strategy. So going back to making sure that you have the right story, quote unquote, the right pitch um, in terms of how you want to be able to present Uh, yourself to investors so we'll support you on that Um, and then we'll also help identify what are the right type of investors for you so is impact investment something that you as an SME can tap into Um, that's a really big question and therefore you know how then do you tap into impact investment or are you a company that you know really is very for example very tech we have a health tech company that we're working with right now and while they are quite impactful um, strategically, what's best for the, this business right now is to get um, a, a VC tech investor uh, that would be very strategic for them, and then to tap into the impact investor play. So that's a little bit about what we do about uh, do at Sepiva. On the other side, we'll also work with investors as well as funders uh, providing uh, what we call technical assistance support. So if an investor um, has a number of portfolio companies, meaning they've invested in a number of different companies and uh, any of their companies need support in terms of their growth, in terms of operational strategy, in terms of just overall technical business training, uh, we'll support on that. And at the same time too, uh, our speciality is in, the Sub- in, is in Sub-Saharan Africa. So we've also worked with a number of investors who are looking for opportunities in Africa. So that's a little bit about what we do. Um, at the end of the day, I think the, the fun thing is that Sapeva is short for Supporting the Divas in Africa. Um, and it was it was a play on words as well as a play on support and VIVRA. So support and to live. Mm-hmm. So support in French, uh, English and VIVRA to live in English. So that's a little bit about us.
0: Wow, that's that's quite an impressive um, company that you have there. Um, so if I could just sum up what you do, or if you could just sum up what you do as consultants, um, just for both investors and for SMEs and startups, in one word, what would be that one word that you would define Supiva with?
1: Support. I think that for any business, whether you're, doing a consult whether you're a consultant or your service provider your client is key your client is number one yeah Yeah. and especially as a consultant um, you're there to support the work that your your client is doing and and whatever your client is doing you need to support them in that journey and I think the best way to put it is and I remember my co-founder when we first we're trying to formulate what people was going to look like. Uh, she had this great way of looking at it is think of it having a little angel on your shoulder, you know, whispering mm-hmm. in your ear as to what you be, what you need to be able to do and be also that sounding board. So I think as a consultant, while you have a particular subject matter, expertise is really being there to understand uh, what your client needs and be there for mm-hmm. your client.
0: Wow. Just to follow up on that then, um, that what led um, to you deciding to actually incorporate your, your business in Kenya? Because, you know, you have been in 16 countries. So what really inspired you, compelled you to um, actually, you know, come and incorporate in Africa?
1: So, um, so, Sapiba, we were first incorporated in 2019 in Canada. Uh, And then the pandemic hit, but we were always working in Africa. All of our clients are all, uh, we're all African-based with the exception of, we had one Canadian client, but that Canadian client wanted to enter into Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the pandemic hit. And so we weren't able to, we weren't able to be physically on the continent, but we've always known that, um, that we wanted to be on the ground on the continent. Now, um, Personally, I just fell in love with East Africa. Uh, Tanzania was the first country that I lived in. Unfortunately, in the last few years, the Tanzanian uh, corporate climate hasn't been very conducive. However, what you see uh, from Kenya in the past 15 years, basically since I've been coming to the African continent since 2007, uh, Nigeria and Kenya have really proven to be really fascinating and interesting Pillars in terms of country dynamics and in terms of conducive places for business. In a place like Kenya, um, as a foreign investor, uh, it's easy to be able to take your money in and out of the country, um, and it's also very pretty straightforward to set up um, a business entity here in Kenya. And so, therefore, when I started talking to fellow friends who have done uh, similar, um, Kenya was just one of those air, uh, one of those countries. Um, that just seemed really, really conducive. Um, There are a few other countries in Africa that are, you know, that a lot of people that I know have said that it's been easy to set up uh, businesses. So for example, uh, Rwanda is is one such area that has been pretty straightforward. Uh, Mauritius, of course, South Africa. Um, But in terms of where Kenya is today, I mean, this, you know, Kenya has, brought the name of silicone savannah onto itself and you do mm-hmm. see things like in the last few months I've been in a couple of different countries on the continent I won't name which because I don't want to you know I don't want to insult anybody but mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel a bit spoiled because the internet speeds uh, in in Kenya are so high and also the electricity is so consistent we don't have a thing like load shedding and we we know which country that is that's experiencing load <laughs> shedding all the time, um. Mm-hmm. So you know that that also made it easy to make the decision um to to incorporate, uh to incorporate Supiva here in Kenya.
0: I know that you're such a hands-on operator, so as you operate um, Supiva, which is an SME, uh, I've noticed that you um, apply a lot of technology and it's very organized. So could you share some? insights on how you think about creating streamlined efficient operating systems
1: I think it's really important and, and thanks Max I appreciate you saying me that I'm a, I'm a brilliant operator um, I do so one of the so one of my biggest things is paying attention to detail uh, but part of being able to pay attention to detail is then also looking at the wider picture um, and what is important in the wider picture and therefore what are some processes? And um, what are some processes or what are enablers that can help make things easier, streamlined, etc. So as any business looks at their operations, like what are the key components of your business? Uh, So let's say you're, you're, let's talk about like, so each business will have different um, verticals. So you'll have your uh, sales and marketing. You'll have your HR process, you'll have your finance. Um, so therefore, developing processes within um, each of those verticals and making sure identifying where there might be a uh, need for efficiencies and where there might be need for for gaps. So for example, at Sapiba, uh, we work with our clients in terms of investor outreach. An investor outreach is is you're, you know, at any given point you might be speaking with five, ten different investors. On the other side, you need to manage manage and navigate through all the documentation of your clients before you present to your investors. So all of those different aspects, you need to make sure that there was a streamlined approach. So in speaking with investors, we have something called a CRM, a client relationship management tool. Uh, However you set up your CRM, like right now we're doing something very simple. Uh, We're using Google Sheets to maintain it and slow, but slowly we're going to be migrating over to a more complex um CRM system. Um, so there's some a number of different CRM systems out there, such as HubSpot, um, Salesforce, um, Nimble, et cetera, uh, that we've been actually looking at and assessing. Um, but it's really, really, really important that you are as a business, you're keeping track of all the data that's coming in and out of your company. And how do you keep track and manage that? Like I always say to entrepreneurs, you know, it's one thing that you have it in your head, But you need to get that into paper. And it's for the institutional well being of the company that all this data is actually somewhere, not just in your head. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's really important that it's really, really important that um, processes are in place and therefore the utilization of technology to support these type of processes, to support the compilation of the data, um, is is very important.
0: That's an interesting um, way to approach things. Um, So just to follow up on that, do you think that the MBA that you took um, really influenced you a lot in how you approach problem solving?
1: 150 percent. Yeah. And I'll take my business school. So I went to IE, IE Business School in Madrid, one of the top three business schools in Europe, right by the Financial Times. So that's my little plug for my business school. Um, and I, I, I chose that particular business school. One, um, I was already educated uh, in the North American system. I went to school in, 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 in Canada, in British Columbia, as well as in California, in the U.S., And when I wanted to do an MBA, and I knew that I needed to do an MBA, I wanted to pick one of the top schools globally. Uh, I didn't want to go to a North American school of thought. I wanted to go to a European school of thought. So it was a little bit different in terms of, um, you know, uh, the networks and the people that I could meet. Um, And I felt that my MBA uh, and, and anybody that I know who's done an MBA really helps you think very strategic but not only strategic also processes and learning and understanding about processes i mean an mba helps you look at so many different aspects of the business uh, of business and and obviously you can go into various different concentrations but the fundamental principles and the core that you get out of doing an mba i think it's so um if you depending on what you want to do in business in the future. I think uh an MBA is is very valuable.
0: Well, I think that's um actually like an interesting take um that I personally take to heart just because um I consider myself an aspiring entrepreneur um and I know from uh, all my conversations with entrepreneurs is we tend to be um a very evangelical in you know crafting missions and visions in these high level things but when it comes down to execution and actually thinking about breaking problems down into you know bites that can actually be executed a lot of entrepreneurs have a problem so um, absolutely think, yeah so I think um having that MBA gives you a strong advantage in your own entrepreneurial endeavors um just to ask um uh, and just go in a little bit of a different direction with the gender lens. Um, What in particular compelled you to focus on gender lens for Supiva?
1: So gender equity is obvious as being a female um, executive manager, obviously gender equity is something obviously very, very close to my heart. Um, And at the core, as somebody who was born and raised and brought up in Canada, yet being... The skin color that I am, I was very fortunate to never really feel racism nor sexism. However, I cannot say the same for many of my fellow female counterparts. Same in the MBA, etc. So, basically, what happened in twenty between twenty fourteen and twenty eighteen assets under management, therefore, money that was going into fund uh woman-led ventures uh in 2014 it was half a billion dollars so 500 million between 2014 to 2018 that number nearly went up by six fold to three billion us dollars of assets under management today that number probably sits and hovers at about 19 billion and what's interesting with that is now the big question is why all of a sudden are investors wanting to invest in gender inclusion diversity like what happened Well, if we look at what happened in the world globally, first off, hashtag me too happened. And when hashtag me too happened, it was all of a sudden, you know, women in very powerful positions were like, hang on a second. Actually, that wasn't right that we were being sexually harassed. And, you know, a lot of women talks with a lot of people that I used to work with or that I've worked with or that I went to school with, they're like, yeah, you know, we, we just basically let that pass and let that slide. But, you know, and when I reflect back on my career, um, but hashtag me too brought to light the amount of inequalities that women face. I mean, women still earn 30% less than their male counterparts. Um, and, and, and women often like, if, if two positions, women, uh, two two candidates for a role, like the likelihood of a female versus a male Mm -hmm. getting the role can can be questionable. Um, Additionally, if we look at VC funding globally, women Mm -hmm. still only receive 2% of the world's VC funding yet we account for 50% of the world's global population. Um, Mm -hmm. Yet, McKinsey studies, or is it BCG study or McKinsey studies, one of the big groups, um, studies show that dollar for dollar, when you invest in a woman, you actually make higher returns than investing in a man. No offense, Max. I know you're a guy. Um, right. So for for, us at, it, Piva, <laughs> for us at Sapiba, we realized, and, and gender lens investing was starting to come uh, come up higher and higher, and we realized that we really wanted to support o- entrepreneurs to navigate through that foray. And th- what that means is we didn't necessarily only work with women ventures. So, yes, we love the women ventures. We love the woman led ventures. Uh, we love it if you're majority-owned. But at the same time, too, what we found is we were working with a lot of male entrepreneurs and male CEOs to say, who were who recognized it like, hang on a second, I want to be more gender inclusive, I want to be more gender diverse, I want to have a woman on my board, I want to have a female investor, and so this is where it was really important for us to be like, okay, how can we help you get there? How can we help you be much more gender inclusive and um, approach your company with a more much more gender equitable approach? Because having differences of opinions and having different viewpoints will only make your company better because you have a variety of different viewpoints coming into the foray and it helps make your company stronger.
0: Yeah. Personally, I am a big believer in inclusion and uh, and diversity in companies. And um, just to follow up on that, I'd just like to ask, um, what are some practical steps that entrepreneurs can can make in becoming more inclusive than um, if they already have their, you know, SMEs or startups? Um, what practical steps can they take without... Um, Gender washing, as you say, I learned gender washing from you. So maybe if you could just give us a little bit of what gender washing is, and and just um, go into the question. Then and...
1: yeah, no, I think, and I think that, and thanks for bringing up the question about gender wash. So gender wash is so what happened is a number of investors we um, there's been a number of uh, people or investor or funders who say yes, we 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 want to invest in gender and we want to invest in gender lens. But what happens? It becomes a tick-boxing exercise. Do you have women on the board? Yes. How many women do you have in your company? If you are, you know, let's say, fifty uh, percent uh, female operated, then fine. You know, check. Um, but the problem is, is they're not necessarily understanding how the impact of being more gender inclusive and gender equitable has within the company. It's it's simply a tick-boxing exercise. Um, mm-hmm. I could give you one negative example, and one negative example of this is uh, a company that was in East Africa, mm-hmm. renewable energy space, um, had received funding in which um, uh, in which it simply was a tick-boxing exercise. Uh, one of the um, top managements were female, um, but when you actually spoke to them, they felt that the environment was quite toxic um, in terms of, and they didn't have the right HR structures in place to address this toxic nature um, Mm. that you found within. So steps that they can take is one uh, look around, you know, who is, what does your management team look like? You know, who's working with you, who is supporting you. Yeah. So, you know, do you have uh, a female that's part of your, are you like, are you five men <laughs> like, all around you or, mm-hmm. or can you, how and how can you bring a, a female into, into the foray? So um, what, a, so that's, that's one, your, your senior management to um, your investors, um, your ownership structure, Uh, what does your ownership structure look like? Who are your investors? Who are sitting in your board? Um, Three, let's look at your employees. You know, who are, how is your employee structure? Uh, Who's, who, who are your employees and what are their, what is the structure like? Um, And then four, what is the products that you're serving or the products or or services that you're offering? uh, do they help and support um, women? Um, how much of this can be helped to consume, or how gender equitable is the product and service that you're you're putting out there? So those are some of the questions that you can ask yourself.
0: All right, thank you so much for that. So what advice would you give to small business owners who are looking to make a positive impact through? Um, their businesses?
1: So the advice that I would give in terms Mm -hmm. of business owners wanting to make a a positive impact, my first question is, what impact are you trying to make? Yeah. Um, And what impact and why? Like, what is the Mm -hmm. big why? So therefore, like the advice that I would give is to really um, thoughtfully and mindfully Uh, think about the people that you are affecting and why do you want to do it in the first place and having that sense of purpose um, and having clarity of purpose, I think is really important for any um, SME or small business owner. And, and therefore there's, there's this fantastic saying there's a failure to plan is planning to fail. And I think that having a sense of that purpose, and knowing why you want to make impact is part of that plan. So yeah, make a plan.
0: Make a plan. I love that. I love that. So do you think that living in different places um, around the world um, gave you that level of perspective that you have um, as to the impact that you want to make in your own life?
1: Absolutely. And 150% if I hadn't had the opportunity to live in different places, work with different people, work with different cultures, I don't think I'd be the same person that I am today. I'm a, I'm a much more, I grew up in a, in a very um, one way of thinking type of world. I grew up in a very um, Catholic, I went to Catholic school, very religious, um, and therefore viewed the world only through one lens. Uh, as a result of traveling, as a result of meeting different cultures, different people, I came to recognize and and and, and I think for me what was most profound, uh, what was what was most profound was when I lived in in Tanzania. Where in Tanzania it was 50% Christian, 50% Muslim population. Everyone lived peacefully. Literally, Dar es Salaam translates to the city of peace, and there you can see very different, you know, two very different. Mind frames and cultures just living in peace and harmony um, yeah. with each other. Like our, our office, if you had an office in Tanzania, you needed to make sure that you had a prayer room because you needed to be able to respect a um, uh, call for prayer. Um, mm-hmm. That said, like 3 p.m. in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, the traffic was nuts on Fridays. So that was, that was <laughs> the worst. Yeah. But my point being is that. You know, being open minded to different cultures, being open minded to different viewpoints and ways of thinking has helped shape, um, you know, the person that I am and helped shape the way that I do and conduct business, which I think is to be respectful, um, Mm -hmm. to be respectful and to be mindful and to be thoughtful to the people that you work with.
0: Oh, no, that's that's, that's amazing. And um, I think that's one that I'll definitely take to heart. Um, now, as um, I want to l- ask you our last question. This is the last question that I want to ask all the guests from now on. Uh, so congrats, you're the first one. So here at um, the SME Empower podcast, our mission is to empower entrepreneurs to create a world of impact. So I'd like to ask you... Um, What kind of world do you hope to create through your entrepreneurial endeavors?
1: The world that I hope to create is a world where we are aware of the actions that we take. And therefore, when I say the actions that we take, it's um, what does it mean to then be um, more inclusive um, that we recognize um, the, the strength of the people that we're working with, um, and, and we respect uh, and acknowledge uh, the value that different people will bring to the table. And therefore, hopefully, it's a world of respect and a world of, of, of brightness.
0: Wow um that's that's amazing and so inspiring thank you so much ruby um we have uh, loved having you here today and we hope that you and supiva um continue to grow and make a larger and larger impact on the world thanks max okay awesome action-packed episode I know that you had a lot of takeaways. I certainly did. And I'd like to know what those are. So uh, just reach out on any of my socials. Let me know what you thought. uh, Comment in our posts, engage and um, spread the word about entrepreneurship and making an impact on the world. Uh, Thank you again for listening. And I hope to see you guys um, next week. Bye.